As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Good morning. How are we all? Although I'm here in the lambing shed, this episode is more squarely aimed, I guess, at you arable girls and boys. We're going to be looking at how technology can be a problem solver, helping us to apply precision in the ways we tackle pests and weeds and maximise crop efficiency. Very, very important in this day of high input costs. To keep you on your toes in this episode, listen carefully. We've got two guests, and they've both got the same name. Just to be confusing, yes. He's James and I'm Jim. We're going to hear from arable farmer James Wilson. We'll come to him in a bit. But firstly, this is going to be Jim Wilson. Jim from Angus-based precision farming experts Soil Essentials, who are our partners for this episode. We have three divisions, effectively. We have the precision agronomy division, where we go and take soil samples, measure areas, and create variable rate application maps. We have a machine control department, which fits uh, Trimble equipment onto customers' vehicles and supplies them with Essentials Net RTK connections, UK-wide. And the third one, and the reason we're speaking today, we also build core precision agricultural software, which we supply and support customers with to create variable rate application maps to map their fields and to, to fly drones. It's going to get quite technical. We're going to be talking about drones flying over arable land, mapping out the crops, where the weeds are, etc. We're going to be talking about how we can input the data from the drones to the computer attached to the crop sprayer with the aim of only spraying the areas where the pesticide is needed. Obviously that saves money, it's better for the environment. And we're going to hear, as I said earlier, from farmer James, because the technology that he implemented helped him tackle a big problem. The dreaded, in England at least, and hopefully not in Scotland, but it's maybe coming, some areas, the dreaded black grass. James uh, posted on the farming forum, looking for help with some weed control issues. So I replied to that post and we got talking. We discussed his, his weed problems, particularly with black grass, and came up with a plan to help him use his Housem sprayer with that has individual nozzle control on it to specifically treat only the areas of the field that has black grass in them and not to spray the good areas of wheat. Our core software has a number of tools embedded in it. And one of those tools is the ability to take a, a low-cost drone, so a standard off-the-shelf DJI drone, and fly it over their fields at 50 or 60 or 70 metres 
and then all those images, those three or 400 images are uploaded to Core. We stitch them all together into one massive image and then present that back to, to the user, to James. James then maps the, the areas of the field that are affected by black grass in this situation. And we take that map and turn it into an application map for herbicide, which is then uploaded to his sprayer, which then goes out and sprays just the areas of black grass, not the whole field. Clever, clever stuff. We'll hear from Jim Wilson again before we finish up. But over now to a chat with James Wilson, who farms in Gloucestershire, to get his take. We farm approximately 2,000 acres. We're situated just outside Cheltenham, between Cheltenham and Evesham. We're cropping about 1,600 acres of arable crops. And yeah, we're using the the technology on the, on our sprayer and uh, with soil essentials to try and improve efficiencies and keep moving forward with with technology really quite a busy time of year are you are you spring cropping or? uh yes we've got quite a bit of spring cropping now we've got uh, black grass on the farm so that's driven us into more spring cropping which brings its own challenges but uh yeah spring linseed the predominantly the spring crops yeah so tell me about that because that's one of the reasons I gather anyway that, that you've gone down the sort of high-tech route as far as spraying, etc. is concerned because of the black grass issue. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we've changed a lot of the things we do on the farm in the past five, six years since sort of me and my cousins returned to the family farm and in, in an effort to tackle the black grass um, or manage the black grass, which was getting out of control really. Now it's back in control and we've been direct drilling and cover cropping spring cropping and the the technology with the sprayer is is just sort of another tool in the armory to try and get on top of this black grass and hopefully other benefits as well can we have a we just from a i guess from a scottish perspective in particular from our from our podcast listeners we've got podcast listeners basically all over the world but quite a lot of farmers in scotland and and i guess thankfully we're not as familiar, we're not as inundated, we've not been as affected by the black grass issue as obviously you have. Just just give us a wee bit of a feel for what it was like when you say, you know, you, you came home to farm and, and black grass was a real problem. What was that like? So the sort of standout for me was I came back in uh, harvest 15 and harvest 16, 2016, was particularly bad for black grass in our area. But we had a first wheat crop, milling wheat crop, and we harvested it and it did about three and a half tonne to the hectare, where obviously we should be up nine, ten tonne to the hectare um, on our heavy clay soils that we've got. And that was sort of a a moment where we really, <laughs> it was too late really, we, we'd got too far. But that was a point where we had to make some serious changes. And that was predominantly black grass in the wheat had just destroyed it. I don't want to, don't want to tell you a story about black grass, but it obviously produces thousands of seeds per head. Each seed can produce a plant with many, many tillers. It's a really difficult battle to fight. It's such a prolific weed. And at that stage, what was your cropping and your cultivations, etc.? What were you, what were you doing? You know, was it very much what you would call conventional at that time? Yes, we weren't ploughing, but we were deep one pass. It was probably the best term. So we had a big sumo cultivator um, behind a quad track, 
that was the primary cultivation and then we'd have a um, Simba culti press behind that to, to break that down so we'd got legs in sort of a good eight ten inches and we were stirring the soil up over this profile which meant that we were bringing up seed from the previous year we were burying a bit but we weren't really getting anywhere because you were just stirring it around each year and the cropping was predominantly winter cropping there was winter wheat winter raw seed rape second winter wheat and the odd bit of spring beans but the spring beans perhaps weren't the ideal spring crop for trying to tackle black grass so that that was where we were and well, that was what we changed from there sort of thing it sounds like you know three ton to the hectare and a fairly expensive cultivation regime etc things were pretty tough pretty difficult to see a way forward yeah yeah i mean i i say i'd, I'd not been back into the farm for very long then i'd been away I, i'm an engineer by trade so perhaps i came at it from a slightly different angle but all the family was on board that we had to do something different and um the direct drilling it, well i presume we now call it regenerative farming approach that we sort of ended up going down seemed to be the the logical thing to try so what does that involve now then what does regenerative look like for you so we've got a, a weaving gd dish drill which is what we plant most of our crops with although we've now got a, a dale tine drill as well to complement that but the the quad track and the sumo was sold which was a financial improvement on its own and we only had the disc drill at the time we've just more recently bought the tine drill but and then the cover crop, the cover adding cover crops into the mix with the spring crops. Um, so we're growing spring wheats in a second wheat position and, and a cover crop ahead of, of all, the, all of that. And if we can, if we've got a good enough cover crop and the conditions allow, we will try and graze that with sheep. So we're trying to incorporate a bit of livestock because the livestock left the farm a long time ago. <laughs> so that has its own challenges, bringing them back on. Have you? Oh, it does. It does. Yeah. Have you brought them on yourself, or is that someone else bringing them on? Well, we've used neighbouring farmers' livestock. We've only done it once, although we're hoping to do it again this winter. And previously, I sort of took the the grazing management on and, and mob grazed the the land to try and keep the ground in a state that made it easier to to drill into in the spring which I think is quite important when you've got other people's animals and, and, and they're obviously paying for grazing or whatever, then it's a balancing act to manage all that. Yeah, so has it been a, a bit of an investment in electric fencing and what have you? Is it? Well, fortunately, that was all part of the agreement with the livestock farmer that brought them on. They uh, provided the materials and equipment and um, it was a bit of hand-holding, really, on that front. We haven't got the skills for, uh, for, for livestock, really, so it's... Uh, all the infrastructure so it's um it was a bit of a learning curve the first year it could be an answer to you know soil fertility and ease of working soils and uh, just improving things in general for for a lot of arable farms i mean you know are you finding that it works and it's going to be something that you'll that you'll keep going with yeah i mean it, it didn't show up any negative benefits in the following crop it managed the cover crop because you get to this time of year when a cover crop's been planted in early August and it, the cover crop's going to seed. You've got blackgrass in that cover crop going to seed. If you leave it for another two months, three months, then that seed could be viable. The spraying it off now sort of defeats the point. So it was a good way to manage the cover crop and with the benefits of 
a bit of muck in the mix as well. Um, it takes time out of your day, but then again, you're not burning diesel, running around with a tractor and a muck spreader spreading muck. So I didn't really see the um, the time invested in that as, as a complete waste of time. <laughs> it's better to the, al- the alternative. So You used the term yourself there, James, regenerative agriculture, and we've got a lot of brickbats being thrown at farmers, especially livestock, but horrible as well. You know, do you think that the way you're going... Does it make you feel that your business is more sustainable and, and, and more of what people might accept in terms of how a farm should look, as it were? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of education required in this for the general public, isn't there? But um, I've done carbon audits on the farm and that's all looking pretty positive in that we're sequestering carbon with our direct drilling and cover cropping regimes. And I think, you know, it's quite clear that it, it can be done. And, and we can work with with the environment to still produce food, but in a carbon friendly way. So yeah, fuel fuel usage is significantly down per hectare of arable farming for sure. You know, you're you're sequestering carbon. You've got what you can be proud of as a more sustainable system. But just actually on a burning carbon thing, you must be doing a lot less of that now as well, you know, in terms of diesel and even fertilisers. Well, we are, we're predominantly, yes, but we we are, we've got a, the whole spectrum almost. We've got Cotswold Brash up on the Cotswold Hills. We've got a two, 250 acres up there and we come down onto the sort of lower land where we've got some irrigated vegetable ground, which is very nice and you struggle to get too much wrong there and then we move further on down into the Isham Vale where we're on um really heavy clay there was the there was a brick brick factory at the end of the farm so um it really is stuff you can make bricks with (laughs) (laughs) so again yeah you know going from a a quad track and 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 cultivating eight eight inches deep to yeah that is just a recipe for for melting metal, burning diesel, and, you know, to get away yeah. from that must be a, a, yeah. a, a relief yeah. all round, really. I mean, it was part of the reason we had, we had a quad track, I, presu- I suppose, is that, you know, it was heavy ground to be moving around. Um, and that sort of depth is it needs a lot of power to to pull that sort of equipment through, through it. So, um, yeah, coming out to the ground with the steel has, has made, a, made a big, big saving. So we move on to... Not so much the kind of the, the cultivations and the and the and the and the, the physically moving the soil and things, but the the I guess the the more real kind of tech and, and software and, and and hardware stuff that you're using to 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 manage crops and monitor crops and monitor the black grass because it wasn't just a case of saying there's black grass there um, across a, a whole field we need to deal with it. You've 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 gone into the kind of you know, dealing with this where it is and, and, and treating crops differently where they're doing well and, and, and that sort of thing, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, five, five six years ago, we were doing variable rate drilling um, uh, and and I sort of we sort of stepped back from that because the black grass was a, a layer of information that we didn't have in our, in our seed maps. Um, seed maps are, are generally based on soil type, which is fine. Um, but but I was we were finding that there's there's 
bigger issues than than the soil type to drive the the seed map. So so the black grass was a driver for actually going away from some technology uh, there, and we just upped the seed rates as as a blanket across across the field across the farm field by field almost but then then the the sprayer technology we've been progressing um so we've been individual nozzle control for 10 to 15 years um i can't remember the exact time we got the first one but i think we're on our third sprayer with individual nozzle control we were one of the early adopters of that system we've seen the benefits from that early early on in that um chemical usage was down significantly which is obviously another major a major cost for the farm so um, we saw the benefits of that straight away so when it came for the change the sprayer again in 2016 we went for a newer than the sort of a, a, the next step in, in in that technology which is we're still working on it now but we're, we are getting there um, in that it's individual nozzle with variable rate control across the boom so that means that rather than just simply being able to to on or off, close individual nozzles, you can actually vary the rate to individual nozzles. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So our system is is slightly different on our sprayer in that we have four nozzles per body. So each body is at half a meter spacing. So and at that body with the four nozzles, they're all facing down and any combination of those four nozzles can be turned on and off electronically. So you can have one of either of them, you can have two, you can have three, you can have all four spraying. And that with the correct nozzles fitted to, to each position would then enable you to have combination of up to 16 different rates at, the, at each individual location. So it's uh, a massive level of accuracy, but we haven't quite got there yet with that. I mean, part of the problem with that is having the data to put into it that's accurate enough. But the the individual nozzle control, because we're now able to we input maps uh, into that, that's uh, then enabled us to to um, map the black grass and spray it just with an on offset sort of uh, approach. So talk us through that, and, and 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 we do have some listeners who who won't even be familiar really with what we're talking about when we mean nozzles. So you know you've got your boom on the sprayer, which at your at your width is how how wide? So we're twenty four meters. Twenty four meters. So the twenty four meter boom oh, on the back yeah. of the sprayer, and it's yeah. got nozzles all along it. And what yeah. we're talking about here is basically being able to target where there's weeds or where there's pests or whatever by. Um, varying the rate or closing or opening yeah. those nozzles so that we can control exactly where the chemical goes. But I think the big question now is, tell us a bit about how that works, James, because it's presumably not just you in the cab of the tractor looking out the window saying when to switch on, when, when to switch off. No, no, it's not. So um, there's numerous ways, but the lower lower accuracy method, I suppose, or one way is to, to go out into the field on foot with your smartphone uh, and walk around any weed patches that you've got or, or areas of crop that you've got that you want to treat separately to the rest of the field. And by walking around it, you drop a pin on your phone and, and mark out shapes, polygons, whatever triangles, whatever shape you want really, and then transfer that into the computer on board the sprayer. And then it's a case of just driving up and down the field. You don't need to turn the 
actual spray system on and off, it will automatically turn it on and off when it reaches these areas of the field and, and will apply or, or not apply, depending on what you're trying to do to these areas as you go. The other way, of course, is, is using using the drone to, to fly the field and map the field, which can be done with surprising level of detail. Yeah, much more accurate, much easier to do, much easier to do regularly, to update. Yeah. So tell us a bit about that. How have you implemented drone technology then? So I bought a DJI Phantom Pro 4. So by using that, so I've, I've, I use this, the part of the DJI app that allows you to map the field. So you fly the drone autonomously over the field. So you put a boundary in, which is your field boundary, and you tell it how many photos or what sort of resolution you require. And that will fly up and down the field in a bit of a zigzag, overlapping some of the images so that they can be then stitched together. So a, a 10 acre field may have 100 images which are all stitched together to then make one big image. Once it's stitched together, I, I can then draw over the top of it using the Soil Essentials software. Initially, you can identify the areas of black grass or, or whatever you're doing, the different bare areas where crops haven't established or both. Uh, and, then, and then you can manually draw around these areas which stand out on the, on the aerial image and then export that as a, as a map. So that's that's using Soil Essentials, that's using their software called Core, is that right? That's correct, yeah. So you're able to look at the image, you can say, that's a really good cropped area, that's going to be treated to optimise the yield. That area over there is 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 purely black grass, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I yeah. need to manage that to eliminate the black grass, and you can completely... Use those images to make sure that you are farming that ground in the most sustainable and efficient way. Is that a fear? That's it. Yeah. I mean, the example this year, it was obviously this year has been our first year doing this. So, it, you know, hopefully plan to do a lot more and, and do different things. But we had a field. It was a heavy clay soil. It was another very wet winter we had this year. The winter wheat established well in some areas but quite poorly in others because the ground lays so wet for so long and that meant that there was bare patches and very thin patches which come the spring they just wanted to fill out with black grass these areas weren't areas that you could say oh, we'll spray that corner off or, or that 24 meter strip off they were very irregular shapes due to the lie of the land they were very difficult to Man, you go out manually with the sprayer and try and and treat separately to the crop. And where we'd got a crop, it was a good crop. It was a case of without this technology, it would have been a case of either spraying the whole field off, or lose the whole thing because of the level of black grass, or persevere with the whole field and deal with all the extra black grass seed uh, that's shed for the next however many years. So it was fantastic to be able to use all this technology to actually have, have the best of both worlds and get rid of the black grass, but save the wheat. This field in particular, we saved 66% of the crop. Unfortunately, it was later on in the season, so we didn't maximise the, the benefits, but we were then able to flip the map once we'd sprayed these areas of black grass out so that when we did put the final treatments on for the, for the wheat, whether it was fertiliser or pesticide, fungicide, whatever, we were then only applying it to the crop that was left standing and not these bare areas or weed areas that we'd desiccated earlier 
few weeks beforehand. So we'd save 33% on chemical and fertiliser then on that field. Yeah, yeah, and and managed to treat the wheat that needed treated to, to get it to its sort of optimum yield level as, as, as it was potentially going to yield, yeah. Yeah. It must be quite exciting, you know, having gone from a situation whereby things looked difficult and looked like, you know, where do we go with this problem of black grass and... And it's taking, you know, I guess in some ways you maybe feel like it's taking over. Whereas you can now, it must be exciting to now be able to say, actually, sod this black grass, I can, I can sort it out. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's quite a relief when you can say, well, we've got that horrible patch of black grass out there, and it's not too much of a worry anymore because I know we can go out there and destroy it. We won't waste any wheat or any rapeseed or anything in the process because we can be so specific and targeted with it. So it's like, in a way, it's like happy farmer, happy environment, happy crops. <laughs> it's a win-win, well, win, isn't it? There's, there, there's no real losers, no. <laughs> <laughs> and James, just coming back to, to, to Soil Essentials as a business, how did you come across Soil Essentials? Why did you go to Soil Essentials for this tech and how have you found working with Soil Essentials? Yeah, so we got in touch. Jim actually found me, I think. I put a post up on a farming forum about what what systems people were using because I tried numerous online software or softwares in general for, for precision farming and most of it's very expensive and uh, doesn't do what we were trying to achieve. And Jim at Soil Essentials and, and the rest of his guys were very accommodating and, and could see what we were trying to do with the technology we'd got and could tailor the technology to to get this get this to work it's it was a bit of an a new thing for everybody the technology's been there it just hasn't all been brought together like this i think before so that's where we want so they they've sort of we've we've gone along together and, and worked out how to do it um which has been great and and that's you know a lot of other software providers they they've got what they sell and that's it whereas uh, soil essentials were able to offer a service, which was fantastic. Yeah, so what you're saying is, um, or what I'm getting here is, you know, there might be, I don't know, the sprayer manufacturer with their own piece of software, there might be a drone drone software that you can use for the mapping and what have you, but all these things may not speak to each other, whereas a business like Soil Essentials, in your experience, is, is like the one-stop shop. You've gone to them and they've been able to bring all the things together so that the drone effectively speaks to the sprayer and everything's fairly seamless and it works. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They're the missing link in, in the jigsaw, I suppose. They uh, turn one piece of data into another piece of data that can then be accepted. But it also gives the the farmer the, the ability to have their input because often, good as technology is, it needs that farmer input to proof it, to, to make sure it, it is what, you want to do it to the to field you know you can fly a drone over a field and it'll it'll think that one area where there's no crop needs a lot of fertilizer because it thinks it's a thin crop but the reality is there's no crop so you don't want any fertilizer there so it can get it almost completely wrong if you leave it unattended if if you like so having that ability to edit it as well is is very important and that's one of the other things that you can do with, with core. So you've got a core package on your on your desktop. Just describe how it works. So that 
you know, it, it takes the data from the drone and you tell us how that works. Yeah, so you select your field on on core that you, you you're working in. You upload automatically all the all the files for that field, and obviously that can be quite a lot of information. So it, it takes takes however good your broadband <laughs> speed is, which at times can be frustrating, but relatively painlessly that can be uh, uploaded to core. And then that's processed pretty quickly. Then you've got effectively an up-to-date Google image of your, of your field, which you can overlay with other images, satellite, NDVI images. I mean, hopefully this year we've got nice even crops and no black grass, so um, we won't need to use it. Uh, but the, <laughs> the likelihood is that we won't. So uh, so we will be using it, uh, no doubt. Um, it's not always easy to say where, what we're going to do because th- until a challenge pr- is presented to you, it's not always clear. But, I mean, obviously, there, there's going to be black grass to manage. Hopefully, we can start doing it um, if we need to across multi- you know, bigger areas of the farm than we did last year. With fertiliser prices as they are at the moment, that's going to be the big one this year in we're making sure we're applying fertilizer to crop and not bare ground or or crops that don't need it. So yeah, I mean absolutely the, the fertilizer prices through the roof. And just again, I suppose from the from the environmental point of view, you know, you're not throwing around fertilizer which is a which is a hydrocarbon. You're not throwing you're not throwing resources around unnecessarily. You're gonna be using the tech to target the fertilizer on exactly where it needs where it's needed. Yeah. So Initially, with just an on-off map, if, if you like, you know, spraying or not spraying, that's that's going to be a saving in itself. But as I mentioned earlier, with the with the variable rate spraying, if we can move that forward and have some high enough resolution data, um, satellite data might be sufficient. The challenge with satellite data, I find, is is having it up to date enough, ready for when you want to apply. If you've had a few weeks of cloud, you can find your images is significantly out of date if you're not careful, which is where the drones are great because you just put it up the day or two before uh, and, and you've and you've got a, a good image. Um, so is that sort of the routine now, is it? You, you, it's time to spray or it's time to apply fertiliser. So a couple of days before you're out with the drone, just checking exactly what that field looks like so that you've got this up-to-date image that you can then work from yeah i mean that's that's the plan <laughs> all good plans that's that's ideally what we want to be doing really and and um it's not it's not yeah, real world it's not always as practical as that but um if we can if we can get um, uh, um an infrared image or, or an ndvi image of the field um from a drone which i'm when we're not there quite yet i haven't got my drone haven't spent enough money on my drone yet. That's uh, that's ultimately where we'd like to be. Yeah, out the day 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 or two before collecting the data to feed the sprayer the f- few days after. Explain that. Sorry, you you need a ultimately a drone with a, an infrared image. Would how would that help? That's going to identify. That's going to save you the manual identification of the patches, or uh, um, pot- potentially yeah. So. So an, an NDVI image would, um, or, or near infrared image would, look at the green, the, the actual colour of the green. That probably doesn't make sense, but the, the the level of greenness of a crop and the healthiness, and and then you can target areas of crop that 
that need more or less fertilizer opposed to some or nothing um of the, the some or nothing approach so uh, and that just needs that needs different sensors on the camera to be able to on the drone to be able to do that but um i'm sure, sure uh working with soil essentials we can get there yeah all these things are an investment aren't they but i'm beginning to sense that you're certainly yeah. justifying the investments that you're making in a way by the sound of it yeah yeah i mean with the first lies of prices it is it's a lot easier to start justifying this technology 12 18 months ago it wasn't perhaps as easy but uh certainly if these prices are, are the new norm then then every every little uh saving uh we can make you can just you can start to justify it with with thousands of pounds worth of technology so yep satisfied soil essentials customer james wilson from gloucestershire a really interesting chat with him i must thank him for taking the time now, back for a final word, this is Jim Wilson of Soil Essentials. It's nice to see James using our core technology in the way it was meant to be used. This is not rocket science anymore, this is just standard agricultural practice. James made a fantastic job of learning to use that drone it's, uh, and flying it, uploading the images to core and labelling the areas that had to be sprayed, the areas that were infested with black grass. It's really impressive how he's grasped the technology and, and is using it to his benefit. So it makes us, us who are farmers as well, really happy and really proud that we've built something that is easy enough to use so that someone who's never used it before can actually go in there and make a success in the first year. So if anyone's interested to find out more about Soil Essentials, you can find us easily online at soilessentials.com. We're on uh, Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, or send me an email, jim at soilessentials.com. Thanks to Jim Wilson, thanks to Soil Essentials, who were our partner for this episode. And just a reminder before we go, the On Farm podcast, which is a globally ranked food, agriculture and rural matters podcast, you can check this out on Listen Notes. We are benchmarking in the top 2% of global podcasts. I kid you not. You go on to Listen Notes and find that out for yourself. So the podcast is brought to you by our team here at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And you can get in touch with us to talk about any aspect of communications, marketing, PR, etc. That's it from me, and bye for now.